Hi, welcome to another edition of uh, Intentional Conversation. Uh, tonight, this is something we're doing uh, on a monthly basis now to interview men's ministry leaders and, uh, around the area, around the country. Uh, tonight, we got Willie Batson with us, and we'll you know, talk to him about him a little bit more in a few minutes to introduce him. But for those who don't know me that's watching out there on Facebook Live, my name is Mike Salmon, Director of Cake for Your Men here in the, located in the Hempstead, North Carolina area. Uh, one of the things, uh, uh, if you're on the Zoom call, uh, I would like for you to keep your mics on, on mute. And, uh, and then we'll uh, uh, be able to answer your questions if you'll just uh, send them in by the chat feature that you have uh, available to that. So uh, uh, we'll get started. With, let's, let's, have, let's have a word of prayer as we begin. Father, I just thank you for this time. I just thank you for the opportunity to us uh, to, to visit with Willie for, uh, for a while tonight and hear his heart as he shares. And I just ask you, Father, that you will allow us to use this time wisely and be able to focus on what we need to talk about as we speak to men and we speak to men to, to the avenue of ministry to men, uh, as you have called us to do. And we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, like I said, we have Willie Batson with us. Willie is a speaker, a pastor, an author. He's a tractor jack-of-all-trades in ministry, it sounds like. And uh, uh, he's written a couple of books that we'll talk about a little bit uh, in, in a little bit uh, called uh, Tools, for, Tools, for, uh, Tools for Great Marriage and Tools for uh, uh, Great Marriage Devotional. And uh, we'll speak to that, those in just a little bit. Uh, but he's been uh, speaking nationally for the past 30 years. Uh, he's a uh, family topics and ministry and marriage, and he's uh, uh, got a lot of good tips that he can share with us. He's inspired audiences in a lot of ways and his uh, information and challenge on couples who work uh, through their relationships in a Christ-centered approach. Billy is uh, currently living up in the New Hampshire area, and, uh, but he is originally from down here where I'm at, up in the, in the Hampstead uh, region. Yeah. And uh, I've joked with him about how in the world you get into Hampstead from, I mean, get into New Hampshire from Hampstead. I mean, I never knew a North Carolina boy moving to, to the cold country, but maybe he'll share a little bit of that. He's been with us at Iron Sharpened Iron Conferences here in Wilmington for the last couple of years, and he's planning on returning in, the, in March of 2021. So we'll talk about that a little bit too. So Willie, how you doing? Appreciate you joining us tonight. Hey, Mike, I'm doing fine. Uh, we're getting ready to maybe have some snow up here on Halloween in new hampshire i bet that doesn't happen in north carolina you no know, you know it though we stay we stay basically in the uh uh probably 80 degrees on halloween day down here <laughs> so, so i don't know so i don't know well really like i said i appreciate you joining us tonight we'll talk about a lot of things in your ministry but what i'd like for you to do right now if you don't mind is to share a little bit of your testimony and how god gets you in doing the ministry that you do now yeah well, it all started uh, right there in North Carolina, right there in Hampstead. Uh, I spent uh, all of my growing up years in the Wilmington, North Carolina area. That's where I was born, other than about four years when we lived in uh, Newport News, Virginia. But uh, all my family, you know, just my roots are right there in Wilmington and in Hampstead. And uh, around uh, the time that I got into high school, ninth grade, uh, I, I moved to Hampstead with my family and started going to Topsail High School, but also started attending Blake's Chapel Advent Christian Church there in Hampstead. 
And it was uh, while I was there that I got connected with the Lord, really. There were uh, one of the things when I tell, uh, share my testimony, especially up here in New England, I'll tell them that we have revival. Uh, we would have revival at our church twice a year. <laughs> revival would break out just that we would have a spring revival with uh, an evangelist for the week. And then uh, in the fall, the same sort of thing up north here. Um, they don't do that sort of thing. But in one of those revival services in the fall, uh, I was attending, sitting on the back row with the other teenagers, and uh, the um, evangelist uh, was preaching, and he gave an invitation, and I just felt the really the Holy Spirit just drawing me to go forward, to respond to that invitation, to commit my life to Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord, and I went forward and did that that night in that small, um, at that particular time, it was a, the small wood frame church uh, over 50 years ago. And uh, as I was leaving, the evangelist and my pastor both were greeting me, and the evangelist said to me, I have this sense that God has something special for you to do. And uh, at the age of 16, I didn't, I wasn't really sure what that was, other than maybe what he meant was that God wanted me to preach. And I knew at that point, you don't become a preacher or pastor simply because you want to, or somebody tells you to, God has to call you. And so I started uh, praying for about, and for about six months, prayed, Lord, if you want me to be a pastor, you've got to call me, you got to let me know. So six months later, uh, our pastor had left, and the first Sunday we had um, a guest preacher who eventually became our pastor. He gave an invitation. Again, I'm sitting on the back row with the, uh, all the other teenagers in the church. He gave an invitation for uh, anyone that wanted to commit their, their lives to full-time Christian service. And uh, right then, I couldn't sing. There was a knot you know, that came up into my throat. I, I started, it was a very emotional experience for me. And at that point, I recognized that as God speaking to me and calling me to full-time pastoral ministry. Uh, and so I went forward and committed my life to that. And that was, um, you know, I was 16 and a half, I'm 69 now. So that was quite a few years ago. And that memory, I, that, that, um, Sunday morning experience is still so fresh and so real. Uh, and a number of times I went on to attend the Bible college uh, up here in New England and went into pastoral ministry. And uh, there have been two or three times along the way when I was uh, frustrated with my pastoral ministry and just not so sure whether I wanted to continue doing that. And as I would be praying to the Lord, he would just take me back again to that Sunday morning in Hampstead uh, when I went forward and uh, answered God's call. So the call has uh, taken me into the ministry that I'm in now. Uh, while, I was, uh, while I was pastoring, I just had a real um, focus on couples and relationships. Um, my, my preaching, a lot of my preaching focused on uh, not just our relationship with God, but our relationship with one another. And at one point, I started um, 
working on a master's degree at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary uh, in Massachusetts. And the first class I took was family life education through the church. And that just exploded the, the interest I already had in helping couples and families. And I learned uh, a lot and that started the journey of my wanting to, um, wanting to spend more time working with couples. And um, I've always had an interest in maybe being a little bit of an itinerant and traveling around and teaching seminars. So um, at, uh, at a point after taking that course, I just had this sense that um, maybe God wanted me to start teaching marriage seminars and parenting seminars. So in 1987, I launched out doing that while I was still pastoring full-time. Um, and it took off. I, I took marriage seminars and parenting seminars into local churches. And up here in New England at that particular time, there wasn't really a lot of that going on. So I event so it was kind of an open field, but I called on my friends and and it just started developing and I became affiliated with a regional organization here in New England that helped me uh, learn how to operate a nonprofit ministry and also gave me great exposure to churches of all different denominations here in New England. And also that's how I got introduced to Brian Doyle, the uh, national director of um, Iron Sharpens Iron, because we were both on the same uh, team, that regional organization, uh, he was brought on to do men's ministry here in New England. And uh, eventually both of us were farmed out <laughs> and spun <laughs> off. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so that's where I met Brian. And that's kind of how I got involved in speaking at Iron Sharpens Iron conferences. But the, uh, it eventually got to the place where I no longer wanted to be teaching marriage seminars uh, parenting seminars. And uh, as a part-time thing, I decided God led me uh, to uh, launch out in faith, really, to leave a full-time pastoral ministry with a, a salary <laughs> to launch out into a ministry where I had to raise my own support. And uh, I, I did that over 30 years ago. And it was, um, you know, God has provided Amen. And it's just yeah. been a wonderful opportunity. Yeah, I'm just I'm looking at your uh, website now. For any of you out there that's interested in Willie's website, it's just WillieBatson.com. I mean, you can reach out there to it and look at it and, and seeing all the stuff that you uh, are involved with, with uh, um, doing courses and writing articles, obviously speaking from from time to time, things of that nature. I've noticed one thing down here that's called the daily habits to make your marriage stronger uh, in your website. And you can subscribe to that a little bit. Talk to us a little bit about that. What's that what does that do? How's that help? And, and what kind of information are you providing in that, in that venue? Yeah, that was something I started quite a while back. Uh, it used to be called 30 days to a great marriage. And uh, it's one, it's an email that's free and it's a, comes to you every day with um, a, a verse of scripture with a thought about your marriage, uh, something you can do, or maybe a particular thought for you to think about. And it's, uh, it's really designed to, um, to keep you focused each day, say for a month, for 30 days, 
to keep you focused on thinking about how to how to build your marriage relationship, because uh, uh, I've encouraged people to do it as follow-ups to the seminars that I provide. Uh, I've encouraged people to do it, uh, you know, when they they seem to uh, their marriage is not as they're not as focused on their marriage relationship as mm -hmm. they should be, because we can uh, we can really get caught up in a lot of our daily activities. You can get caught up in child raising. You get caught up in your careers. And one of the things that I've seen couples do is forget to be married. You know, they're still married, but they forget to be married. They forget to uh, relate to one another. So I developed these uh, 30 uh, email marriage tips, really is what, what it is. Uh, and, and each of them come also with some thoughts from me. Some, some of it will be uh, some quotes from my book, uh, but I also have a link to two or three other articles that relate to the topic that that particular tip is uh, talking about. So, you know, it gives an opportunity. You can just read what I send to you that day, um, or you can read that and then maybe do a little more reading. So okay. I, I've had some good positive feedback and uh, on that. That's good. That, so, so those 30 days, say it's on 30 days, so uh, if you subscribe to it, it just kind of rolls every 30 days. Is that what it does? Yep. Automatically, once you subscribe to it, you'll get a welcome uh, email. And then within an hour, you'll get the first marriage tip. And then each day uh, after that, it will just automatically come to you until the end. All right. Super. How about your online courses? I see you do some online courses and things of that nature. What kind of courses do you do online? Yeah, that's something that's still in, uh, that, that's, I'm developing that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it, it's been, this is one of the things that, uh, you know, maybe I can just share a little personal story here. Um, I, two and a half years ago, my wife uh, passed away. We were married 45 and a half years. By the way, let me, I just ha have to show her off, uh, Cindy. I met her up here in New England when I came up here to go to Bible college. She uh, was from Connecticut. Um, she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis uh, and had that diagnosis for about almost 28 years before she passed away. And uh, about a year before she passed away, I decided to retire uh, from any full-time ministry uh, so that I could focus on her care because I had be, she was, I was really her 24 seven caregiver at that point. And so I, I didn't wanna give up ministry completely, but it was becoming more difficult to travel and uh, do the kind of things I was doing before because I had started a nonprofit ministry called Family Builders Ministries. So I thought, well, I'll start doing some online courses. So I'm, just about ready, probably in January, to launch one that I've been designing for quite a while. However, with COVID, I was uh, one of the things I did back in the spring was I did a 10-week virtual marriage series. All of it was uh, on Facebook Live and YouTube, and all the videos now are on my website. So that's an online course. It's not the kind of course that I'm working on, but it does have video teaching 
It has handouts. And so uh, couples can take that, go through <clears throat> for 10 sessions. And the other online course that I have is for couples who uh, have a chronic illness marriage. And that there's a series of four uh, videos and handouts that they can take advantage of. And then I have developed a husband's course, a course for husbands called Husbands Love Your Wives. I did that September 1st, I think was my first one. And it's a six week uh, course that focuses on the Ephesians 5 passage that says that husbands, we're to love our wives as Christ loves the church. So what I've done is I've taken that, um, taken some of the material, in fact, material that I've taught at Iron Sharpens Iron conferences and some other materials and looked at how can husbands love their wives the way Christ loves the church. Um, you know, uh, sacrifice, One of, Stuart Briscoe, years ago, I heard him teach on this particular passage. And he said that there are basically three ways that husbands can love their wives the way Christ loves the church. Sacrifice, you, you put her first, and, you know, that deals with the whole issue of selfishness. So you find ways to sacrifice. Sanctify, you love your wife in a sanctifying way. It's not that you can make her holy, but you, you don't live with her in such a way that you cause her to be unholy. And you also provide her with an environment and opportunities to grow in her own faith. So there's that idea of sanctifying. And then satisfy, uh, where uh, the Apostle Paul talks about a husband. Uh, he, he takes care of his body. He, he takes care of his food, you know, his, his need for food. And, you know, if he loves, the way you can love your wife is by taking care of her or satisfying her needs. So with that basis, this course, uh, Husbands Love Your Wives, uh, we go through looking at how to apply those three aspects. Uh, we also look at uh, how to cherish your wife, how uh, some of the questions that women ask the questions that wives ask that baffle us. And we're like, where do, I don't know what you're talking about. So I, I share uh, some of the ways that you can meet her needs because the, behind the questions that wives ask, there's a need that's there. And we also, in that course, we'll look at finishing strong in your marriage. And that's where I share um, what I believe uh, are four commitments that Cindy and I made to each other that made it possible for us to finish strong in our 45 and a half year marriage. Yeah, yeah you know, th th that's interesting that you talk about that and, you, and how you read that sacrifice, um, sanctify and satisfy. Uh, that, that's, uh, I think men a lot of times don't fully realize the importance of their, their role in the marriage, especially over their wife. Um, uh, you know, one of the things that God has spoken to me about in so many ways here in uh, the 45 years I've been married is that, uh, you know, I hear a lot of men talking about their wives being their best friend, and I don't want to demean that anyway. That's that's fine, but uh, to me, my wife is more than a best friend. She's my bride, and yes. I have a responsibility to her as, as, as a bride, just like Jesus does to the bride of the church, and uh, sometimes we, uh, I think if we are not careful, we lose that um, understanding uh, of the importance of the role that you play over her 
and beside her in in that area. And so that's that's one of the things I like to call you guys on. You uh, uh, all wrote there like you probably did in five point five, and we're to love the love our wives. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Well, what did he do? He died for her. And yeah. uh, you may not die for your best friend. <laughs> all depends on the situation, but you don't have a choice. With with your bride. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I mentioned how I learned this uh, from Stuart Briscoe. And I, I had been married quite a few years when I heard him teach on this. And, and of course, I had always heard, you know, husbands love your wives. I'd even taught it. But I never really, for me, it had, when I heard him use those three words, it just gelled, it coalesced everything that I needed to know about my role. Well, maybe not everything I needed to know about my role, but at least in terms of what does it mean to love your your wife, your bride, the way Christ loves the church. Amen. And those were those were three things. And it was interesting in the first series that I did of the husband's course with the group of guys, and I, I limit it to eight guys. It's like a small group and we do it all online. But uh, in the first session, I talked about uh, something similar to what you were saying. And I pointed out that uh, to the guys, I said, your wife is your ministry. Your wife is your ministry. And this is how Absolutely. you yeah. love her. And it was interesting to me, um, as we ended the session, I always, every session, I will end it uh, by saying, okay, uh, what's one takeaway? from tonight's session. And on that particular one, uh, a number of the guys said that they had never heard that concept before, that your wife is your ministry. And I think that, um, you know, there, there's, there's good reasons for why they had never heard it. But I think it is one of the things that just kind of um, jumped out at them, you know, made mm -hmm. a difference. And, and for me, Obviously, with Cindy being diagnosed with MS, and it was a progressive um, disability for her over the years, uh, I, really, my, my love was tested. You know, am I going to sacrifice? Uh, am I going to, um, you know, in fact, when I retired from full-time ministry, uh, Cindy said to me, she said, I, she felt guilty for it, because she said, I bet, she said, the only reason you're doing this is because of my health and uh, you probably would not retire uh, this early. And I, and I was honest with her. I didn't say, Oh, don't work. You know, I, our relationship was honest. And I said, yeah, I, I am retiring early, earlier than I had planned, but I have no regrets. My focus is on you. And I didn't say you're my ministry, but that's really what I'm thinking. Yeah. I made promises, you know, in sickness and in health for better, or for worse. And, um, and it just worked out so that it could happen then. And, and I really wanted to do it because I didn't know how much time we would have. I figured we'd have more time than we did, but uh, we didn't have as much time uh, after I retired, but I'm, I have no regrets. And um, I, you know, I communicated that to her. Amen. Amen. Well, what, you know, we're talking about marriage. We're talking about that. Uh, ministering to our wives and, and being ministers to our wives and and uh but what is what is the thing that you see probably in your travels that couples struggle the most with in their marriage um well i think there are two things 
and I think they're probably uh, related, interrelated. And the two things uh, will be selfishness and a lack of forgiveness. Now, I think that, and, and a lot of stuff as I've worked with couples over the years uh, as a pastor and also as a marriage coach, um, this, this very often kind of like, as we drill down into what's going on, why are they um, acting the way they are? You know, what, what's the problem? A lot of the, the couples that struggle the most that have the, the, the yeah, I would say the struggle, the, the struggle the most or, or kind of get um, blocked and not able to move forward. It gets to a place where it's selfishness. It's like, I want my way. I want you to do it my way. Uh, I'm not going to bend. I'm not going to be flexible. And there are obviously times when you need to stand strong and not bend. Um, there, there are certainly situations like that. But most of the time, it has nothing to do with some, you know, like abuse or anything like that. It's usually just normal day-to-day -day stuff where it's like, uh, well, you know, like Cindy, Cindy liked for me to... Uh, uh, when when I took over putting the clothes in the washing machine, um, I put them in the way I thought I should put them in. I put the detergent in first, turned on the water, and then put the clothes in. One day she saw me doing that and she said, that's the wrong way to do it. <laughs> I said, well, what do you mean? She said, you turn on the water, put the clothes in, then you put the detergent in. <laughs> we you know, for about 15 or 20 minutes, we argued back and forth about, <laughs> about that. And, you know, even to the point where I said, well, I've now heard of you complaining about the clothes being dirty. <laughs> so, you know, it was one of those things where I had to stop and think, okay, she wants me to do it this way. It, what does it matter? Does it really matter? But there was a part of me that, you know, I want it, I want to do it my way. So I, I think that, uh, and that obviously there are situations that are you know, much, much worse, much more tense than that. But uh, I think it's, uh, people will just get themselves into a selfish bent and they, they find it very hard to get out of it. And that's where the lack of forgiveness or the lack of confession, I think, will then come in because it's very hard to admit uh, you know, to go and confess and say, okay, I, I'm selfish. I want it. I want to do it my way. Will you please forgive me for the way I acted for what I said? I know couples, um, I've talked with couples that have held on to grudges about stuff for 20, 30, 40 years, and they just will not let it go. Mm. Uh, they're disappointed by stuff that's happened and even if, the, even if their spouse has apologized, they're still holding on to it. They have a lack of forgiveness. Um, so I, I see, I, 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 those are two things that I really kind of deal with when I'm working with couples who are having some real difficulties. But I guess, you know, uh, the other thing that can really lead along is uh, also is just busyness. Yeah, and that bu yeah, that. yeah. Yeah, just you get busy, like I was talking about a few moments ago, you can get busy with your career, you get busy with raising your children, you get busy with church activities, you get busy with neighborhood, uh, you just get just that busyness. Uh, well, and you, you get can... in a situation 
especially as your children are growing up, after you have children, you, you're, you're both focused on your children and you're going different places, different ways with your kids. And then 18, 20 years later, they're gone and your back's just you two looking at each other. And that creates issues <laughs> in itself there too. Yeah. 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 That I, I've told, um, I've told couples with young children uh, when I've been teaching parenting seminars and marriage seminars and also coaching uh, and counseling, I've, I've told them, you guys need to realize that your children are going to grow up. They're going to leave the house. That's the plan, right? Isn't that your plan? <laughs> you know, isn't that My your plan? Goal? I know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I have a seminar or, uh, well, it's not a seminar. It's a sermon that I've preached called uh, How to Raise Great Adults. In fact, I guess I've, I've done it as a, a seminar, also a breakout session at an Iron Sharpens Iron conference, you know, how to raise great adults. And it's not like it, how to raise great kids. Your goal is to raise great adults. But I will tell these parents, you need to be dating one another. You need to be focusing on one another. You need to be having conversations because one day your kids will be gone. It'll be an empty nest. It'll just be the two of you. And you're going to look at each other and you're going to go, who are you? Or you're going to realize that you focus so much on the raising of the kids that the marriage has suffered and uh, you don't want the kind of marriage that you had for however long, you know, 25 or 30 years of raising kids. You want, to, you want something different. And uh, I think it's a lot easier if you're kind of working on that as you're going along. Uh, instead of waiting until you get to that empty nest and you don't like it anymore or you don't like each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, you mentioned in that, I remember a story one time where a young man went to ask his uh, potential future father-in-law for, for his daughter's hand in marriage. And the guy looked at him and said, well, do you like her? <laughs> and he was like, well, sir, I love you. I love you. He says, I hear what you're saying, but do you like her? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, I will say there, but in my my years of being married to Cindy, there were times when uh, she loved me, but she didn't like me, <laughs> and vice versa. We didn't let. Yeah, we're talking about the struggles, struggles of marriage. You know, and, and I've I've seen situations where couples will end up in in and uh, in huge organs by just by the way you squeeze a toothpaste you know you squeeze it in the neck or you squeeze it in the back and stuff like that and uh, but there's things that also that makes a marriage strong you know yeah. one of the things my wife did my wife and I did while we were raising children is make sure that you know we we tried every week it didn't work out every week but we 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 tried to have a date night and we tried to uh once a quarter just get away you know, yeah. if it's not put just for a night, get away. And so, so what are some of the things that you see, especially in today's culture, um, it will help a marriage be a strong marriage in, in, in a Christ-centered marriage? Well, um, this is one of the things that I've been, uh, I've been kind of revisiting this over the last uh, couple of weeks, just thinking about, um, you know, what, what makes a great relationship or a great marriage? And so I think that, um, you know, I take that word great. I've not 
flesh these out too much and we don't have time tonight for me to really flesh them out anyway. But um, I think there are, if you take that word great and um, what I've done with each of the letters of the word stand for something. And, and I think these are at least five things that um, couples really need to be thinking about if they want say foundational for having a, a great marriage, a great relationship. Uh, the first one, the G stands for growth mindset, to have a growth mindset. And what I'm talking about here um, is there are some people who um, they have the idea that, okay, this is who I am and uh, I'm not gonna change, so deal with it. Or I don't need to learn anything new about how to get along with my spouse. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people say they fall out of love. And I think what's happened is that they have not grown in their relationship. They've not had a growth mindset. And so they are, are just kind of sticking with the way it was, or they're wanting it to continue to be the, you know, they don't want anything to change. And I think that a growth mindset is a God-focused mindset so that you have that uh, in your marriage, that you're looking for ways to grow individually as a person, as a husband, and as a wife. And you're also saying, hey, we haven't learned it all. We're not perfect as a couple. So we want to be continuing to build our relationship and grow like, like you and your wife of uh, going out on a regular basis or going overnight. These are things that are part of a growth mindset uh, so a growth mindset, a God-focused growth mindset, the R, uh, I think the R stands for respect. And in terms of uh, the way I'm thinking about respect, it's a mutual respect. Uh, but I think it, at, at the base of respect is valuing each other's uniqueness, you know, of recognizing you're valuable, you're different from me. Uh, you have different gifts, abilities, you have different likes and dislikes, but um, I value you, I respect you with your uniqueness. And of course, I've heard this, you know, and I've said it as well, that if you both were the same, one of you would be unnecessary. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, My wife tells me that from time to time anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, you know, it, it, some of the, and, and some of the very things that drew you to one another in those courting years, you know, when you first met, some of those characteristics that drew you to one another after a few years of marriage will be the very things that push you away from each other, <laughs> that drive you crazy. So I think you have to keep learning to respect one another. And, and I think kindness is a part of respect as well, of uh, treating each other kindly. So, and the E in great would stand for erase offenses, erase offenses. And that's really forgiveness. That's grace and mercy. And we were talking about that just a little while ago about confession and forgiving and, you know, couples that are going to be growing and, and doing well these days, especially with all of the quarantining and the, the you know, it, we have differences about very, like physical distancing and mask wearing and all of that stuff. As a society, we have differences. Let me tell you, I know there are some couples within their marriage that have disagreements about these kinds of things. And so, um, 
and also couples have been spending a lot of time together and some of the things that they were able to overlook before now that they're spending so much time with each other it's hard to overlook those things so i think erasing offenses as quickly as possible not letting them hang on keep short accounts cindy and i would uh every night just make sure that we were you know everything was good uh, if not we would deal with it the next day if we had to but uh, this is one of the things i tell couples now is that uh, when cindy passed away a few days after that or maybe it might have been more like a couple of weeks i realized that we ended well with no regrets at least on my part i'm not sure about her but at least on my part, I kind of felt like uh, since, you know, that our marriage ended with no regrets because we kept short accounts with each other. So a growth mindset, respect, erase offenses, the A in great would stand for adaptability. And uh, this would be the idea of um, empathy and the, the, I, the sense of trying to walk in your spouse's shoes or try to understand a little more about what they're going through and, um, and, and also recognizing different types of personalities and adapting to uh, your spouse, adapting to the different personalities. So adaptability, flexibility would be another way of saying it. But if you don't, if you can't bend, if you can't flex in the various seasons of marriage, you're gonna run up against some brick walls. You, you, you really need to be adaptable. Uh, and, and I think this year, 2020 with COVID, if you were not able to adapt in your marriage relationship and your home and your family, you probably are having some stress. You probably have had some difficult, challenging times. And uh, so, so a great relationship uh, involves adaptability. And then the last one, the T in great stands for trust. And uh, I've worked with couples who've had um, their, tr have had trust broken either because of lies or affairs. And I can tell you that trust, you know, it, it may seem like in the early days of your relationship, you really, you may not have intentionally been building trust, but it happened. Mm -hmm. And it happened, at least as I look back, um, I think it just kind of naturally happened as Cindy and I got to know each other. And as we spent time with one another and, and went through various things, you know, we developed a sense of trust and devotion to one another. It doesn't take much to break that trust. And when it's broken by, you know, constant lies, by abuse, by affairs, by anything that's out there that breaks that, that trust bond, then um, it's very hard to put it back together. It's like Humpty Dumpty falling off the wall. You know, all the king's horses, all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. You know, when a marriage relationship, when there's a failure, when there's a breach of trust, um, it's very hard. It can be done with God's help, but it's very hard to do. So trust, um, you know, Cindy never thought that if I were late coming home, she never thought that I was off at a bar someplace getting drunk, hanging out with other women. 
And how do I know that? Because when I would come home late, and this would be like in our third year of marriage, we were young. When I would come home late, she'd be like 10, 15 minutes late, she would be upset. And she said, I was, I was fearful, I was scared that you had had an accident and you were dead somewhere in a ditch. <laughs> and over the years, knowing that the worst thing she thought about me when I was late was that I was in an accident or dead somewhere, you know, that really meant, <laughs> that meant a lot to me because she trusted me in our marriage. Uh, and and that's a, I think that's a very important part of having a great marriage. So those, <laughs> those, those are good. Those, thank those you for great, giving me the opportunity to yeah. kind of talk that out a little bit. Those are, those are great things. And you know, the, the interesting thing is, is that uh, uh, point that you just made right there at the very end about trust and, and the fact that your wife thought more about the fact that you may have been in an accident without doing something you shouldn't be doing. You know, you kind of, some of us guys, when we were younger, we would get upset when we had to work over late and our, and we didn't call home and our wives would get on us because we didn't get come uh, call home. And that was generally the reason why. It's because yeah. they were worried about our health, basically, more than they were about we're out doing something wrong, you know, and, yeah. uh, and we didn't get it. A lot of us didn't get it. I know I didn't get it in the early part of my marriage. <laughs> so, no, I didn't either. It took me a while to get that. <laughs> so, so, so that's good. Great uh, growth-minded, respect, race offenses, adaptability, which goes along with flexibility, and then trust. Some great things to, to take, take away from that. I appreciate you sharing that, Willie. Sure. Um, one, of the, one of the courses or one of the sessions that you did, uh, I think you said this past year, if I'm not mistaken, uh, at the Iron Sharpens Iron Conference, and I, and I appreciate you coming back in, in March. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really am praying that everything will open up so we'll yeah. be able to do that. Me but uh, one of the courses that you did this past year was called How to Cherish Your Wife Without Spending a Fortune. Now, <laughs> one of my wife's love uh, languages is gifts, and her gifts is jewelry. That ain't cheap, bud. <laughs> <laughs> so share a little bit about that. Help us guys a little bit to understand how to, how to cherish your wife without spending a fortune. Could you share a couple of tidbits from that session? <laughs> uh, sure, sure. Uh, and I really, um, I developed that particular course. I've taught it in Wilmington. I've taught it um, in a couple of places here in New England. And uh it, it just, th there's a book by uh, Gary Thomas called Cherish, and it's not written specifically for uh, husbands, but it's written for husbands and wives, how to cherish each other. And that got me to, I, I read the book and it got me to thinking a little bit about this whole idea uh, for husbands that, you know, in our wedding vows, we often, you know, part of the wedding vows to love and to cherish. But as husbands, we don't always um, I, we don't really use that word cherish. I mean, that's not in my vocabulary when I talk about things that are important to me. You know, a, a guy that has a motorcycle that, you know, he spends a lot of time working on it, taking care of it. Uh, I doubt that he says to his buddies, you know, I really cherish this cycle. <laughs> I really cherish this bike. You know, so the word cherish might not connect with a lot of guys, but it does with wives. And so I developed this particular seminar with, uh, with the idea of trying to help us as men 
to communicate that we do cherish our wives. And it cherishing begins first with your attitude or your mindset about your or your wife. Um, it's a it's a matter of the heart, obviously. Uh, it's not just based on feelings. It it is something that you can develop. And so, uh, one of the things that can kill cherishing on the part of your, at least from the vantage point of your wife, is when you compare your wife to another woman whether that's uh, a, a woman friend, whether it's your mother or, or you know anybody, when, when you begin comparing her or communicating in some way or some fashion that she doesn't live up to your expectations, she is not, she, you might think you're trying to encourage her to change, but what she's hearing is you don't cherish me. You don't value me for who I am. And so it's a, it's a mindset that begins with a promise to cherish, and then you adopt this cherishing mindset and then put into practice cherishing actions. Um, it, it, Gary Thomas says that uh, the right mindset is what he calls the Adam and Eve mindset, one man, one woman. So one of the ways you can cherish your wife is to have a mindset that she's the only woman in the world for you. She's the only one. She matters to you. And uh, you're going to communicate that in, in a way that you can. Uh, so what I did was uh, I, I surveyed wives. I went on Facebook and I just put a question out there. I told the wives on my Facebook uh, connections I'm doing this uh, workshop and I'd like to know what you, what your husband does that communicates that he cherishes you. And I got a lot of response. So part of the workshop was me sharing some of those responses. Uh, let me just, I'll just share a couple of them. Um, and really the question was like, what would, uh, what makes you feel special? What does your husband do that makes you feel special or cherished? Um, one wife said, we know, we both know each other's top love language. Mine is touch. And he isn't necessarily a touchy person, but has communicated that since marrying me, he has become even more intentional in initiating first touch, like cuddling, holding hands, kissing, whatever. Or he allows me to do those things, even when he would prefer not to. So not only did communicate, uh, so not only did communication in this show his love, but the consistency and intentionality of it. Now, what I got out of that was um, the last sentence that really what communicated to her that her husband cherished her was that in this love language where he was, you know, uh, touch was not his primary love language, but he was consistent and he was intentional. So he was focused, he was intentional. That's one of the ways that you can cherish your wife without spending a fortune is being intentional in showing it to her. Uh, and, you know, if jewelry is the way, <laughs> then you, you, you start saving up, you save your money, <laughs> you do without some of the lattes and coffees and, you know, that sort of thing. 
or you don't buy your fishing lure or whatever, you know, you save up your, there's an intentionality about it. Um, another wife, uh, and really, uh, I guess, you know, maybe just in the interest of time, uh, I might just mention that all of the, um, as I went through all of them, what really stood out was that it was the small things that their husbands did. You know, one wife said, uh, when my husband and I are watching TV together in the living room, uh, if he gets up to go in the kitchen to get something, he always asks if he can get me something. And uh, she said, even if I'm in another room and he's going to get something from the kitchen, he will, he will ask me if he can get me something. And, and what happened, she said, that caused her to start doing the same thing to him and just showing kindness, um, really. Uh, and a lot of them, you know, wives, especially with children said, you know, he can offer, uh, my husband, when, I, when he comes home, he says, uh, he, he takes time with the kids or he tells me to just go take a bath and after supper, go take a bath, I'll take care of the dishes, I'll take care of the kids. So it's the small daily acts of kindness that, uh, you know, really communicate to wives that they feel cherished. But be, so I, I guess just to kind of keep it in mind that cherishing your wife is communicating to her that, that you are a one woman man and that there's no other woman in the world for you. It's the Adam and Eve kind of thing. Well, I think it's neat, uh, you know, I was joking. No, I, you know, that is one of the things my wife loves to do. She gets teased a lot about it, you know, because when we go on trips, uh, she's a big Pandora fan. And so when mm. you go on trips, everybody teases her, did you find your Pandora store or something like that? But, uh, but the thing about it is from our guys is uh, uh, a lot of times we don't realize it's just the small little things that we do around the house sometimes that they like to see done or done for them or just done around the house, just doing things around the house. It may not be specifically just for them, but right. like uh, mowing the yard sometimes can be something that can be very, very uh, cherishing to her, so to speak, because that shows that you care about the property and you care about, about uh, the, uh, the things that she cares about. Because one of the things yeah. that wives love is to have a nice looking home. And so anyway... <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Really appreciate that. I appreciate it. I do want to touch on one more thing. We're, we're coming up on, on our window here of one hour, but I want to ask you one more question. If you can keep it down to say about five minutes, so to speak. Um, and this is uh, older couples, more mature couples who's been married like you and I for, for many years um, at uh, mentoring young, younger couples. Uh, what's mm. your thoughts on that? And, uh, and should, should more of us be doing that? Yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. In fact, that's part of uh, when I was leading the nonprofit organization that I started. Uh, one of the things that we developed uh, was a mentor, marriage mentor training program to uh, train uh, churches, people, couples from churches to mentor uh, couples before marriage and during marriage. But um, really before marriage and in the early years of marriage. And so that's one of the things that I've done. Cindy and I did that together. And I've also taught uh, other people to do that. I, I think it's very important, uh, especially the couples, younger couples today, 
they are uh, many of them have grown up in families that were where they really did not see a good healthy model of marriage and they live in a society we're in a, a society that doesn't uh doesn't hold up marriage as sacred and holy and honorable and so this is a part of their um, especially for believers especially for christian uh, couples uh, this is something they're really looking for they they are looking for mentors they you know and, and i it doesn't have to be highly organized it can be very organic uh, I have a guy uh, right now, a, a couple of guys that are, have just kind of reached out to me and said, hey, could we just meet every so often for coffee and just to talk? So I don't have any particular agenda. I don't have any program. You know, I'm not working through a Bible study. We just get together and I just ask a few questions, you know, like, so how, how are things going? How's your wife? How's your marriage going? How do you feel things are going for you as a husband? But I think that's also important to do with couples to have, and, and I think it's fine to have something structured where you're meeting. In fact, when I, uh, my book, Tools for a Great Marriage, has a, uh, a small group study guide that's built into it, and we used it in our marriage mentoring program that you can, in fact, when I wrote it and designed it, I designed it in such a way that it could also be used by two, you know, two couples could meet together, you know, once a month even, or once a week for 10 weeks and go through the chapters and just spend some time talking about marriage and just whatever bubbles up. So we have a lot to offer. In fact, I was uh, meeting with a, a guy who's a little bit older than I am yesterday. And uh, he's, uh, he was saying he never thought that at the age of 75, he would be a leader of a, a Bible study. And I said to him, you still have a lot to offer. Absolutely. You, you have a richness of experience and knowledge. And uh, I think couples that long-term couples, especially couples that have been married for 40 years, uh, we have a richness and, and we can we can come alongside younger couples when they're going through some real challenging seasons. We can just kind of sit back and say, you know, you're going to make it. You're going to be okay because we've gone through it. We've made it through and they just, they need somebody to encourage them and say, Hey, you can, you don't have to end this. You don't have to throw this away. Hang in there for the long haul, finish strong, finish well. Yeah, good. That's that's a good word. That that is a a great word, and I appreciate you talking about the those of us who have retired from our careers and, and have a great ministry there. Uh, one of the to get just a little plug in for myself. Uh, one of the the topic I want to be talking about at the Iron Trumpers Iron Conference this this year is called uh, I've titled uh, "So You've Retired, Well, Your Ministry Has Just Begun," and uh, and so we'll be talking about that quite a bit. And that's one of the areas that we'll, we'll touch on. That's well, Willie, it's been great to have you. We're coming up on the hour, and I don't want to uh, uh, abuse your time. I know you love talking about this, and, and I do. The guys <laughs> probably have really enjoyed uh, hearing hearing about. If uh, those of you are listening, uh, if you uh, want to know more about Willie's ministry, or, or go out to uh, WillieBatson.com, uh, and uh, you can uh, connect. And if you want to connect with them, uh, uh, 
uh, in other ways, just send me an email at uh, kpeermen at gmail.com and I will definitely get you in connected with Willie because uh, uh, he's got a lot to offer and he is a sharp, sharp dude. I really love Willie and he's, he's really well, ministered a lot to the guys down here in the Hampstead area when he comes in. And I love it. I appreciate you. Uh, you know, I always look for excuses to go back home. And so, <laughs> so to be able to come back, it's really special for me to be able to come back uh, to Wilmington and to be a part of the Iron Sharpens Iron. You've been doing a great job there. I'm so glad. I've been wondering for years because up here in New England, ISI has been around for, what is it, 20 years, something like uh, that? Yeah, just, just over 20 years. Yeah. yeah. And so I've been wondering, why is there not one in Wilmington? And then when I found out that you were doing it, and Brian told me that you were doing something there, that's when I got in touch with you. I said, I got to be, I got to try to be a part of this. So I really have enjoyed my times. Lord willing, I certainly hope we'll be able to do it in person next March. Amen. Amen. But thank you for what you do. And thank you for the opportunity to have this conversation tonight. Thank you, Willie. I appreciate it. Uh, for those of you who are still listening, uh, next month we will have Elmo Mooners with us. Elmo is the executive director of uh, Kingdom Group at Baton Rouge uh, on the conversation, and we'll be discussing one of the hot topics in, in our culture today, and that is how do we address racial tension in our country mm-hmm. and in churches. And uh, it's, uh, I think it's something every brother in Christ uh, needs to, to be seeking to guide on how to handle and how to deal with. So be sure to watch for information coming out on that for the next month on November 24th as we talk to Elmo regarding that particular topic. So if you enjoyed the program and you want to continue to help us out to, to minister to men and continue these programs up, it, it, it does cost us to do this. So I would encourage you, if you would, go to takefearmen.net and click on the donate button up top to to, uh, to help us out a little bit, or you can text Kate to 50155. We are a 501c3 organization, so everything that you give is tax deductible. And I thank you in advance for that. If you have any other questions, you can drop us an email at katepyramin at gmail.com. And again, Willie, I want to thank you for being with us tonight. Uh, thank you for the ministry that God has done. It. And let's just have a quick word of prayer as we close out. Yeah. Father, I just thank you for Willie. I ask you that you continue to minister to, uh, through him and what he is doing with uh, couples and and uh, and what you have uh, opened doors for him. Father, I pray that you'll use this uh, talk that we've had tonight, the conversation we've had tonight, that you have uh, touched somebody's heart and you've mm-hmm. pricked their lives in some way that maybe in some, some form or fashion, it's helped them to think through their marriage and think about their marriage and look at it from a different perspective on how they can minister to their wives and cherish their wives, Father. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it's good to see everybody. So as we uh, depart, I pray that uh, all of you will have a rock to stand on. You'll have a, a uh, brook to drink from and a tree to shade you by. So we'll see you next in the next month. God bless you and good night.